Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Hello, North Face, Dax and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber and the board. We have Nasdaq Futures down seven. We have, uh, what else do we have here? Dow Futures down 11, so not much. We're, uh, all of a sudden, we've totally slowed down here as I put a couple positions on where I want the market to move. Of course, it's not moving. Uh, but after it has moved, it moved all last week. Do we have uh, Mr. Brendan? I'm here, Chief. Yeah, you know, we've averted, averted the debt crisis, so I thought you'd be just rolling in the money right now if everything's settled down in the markets and you can predict what's going to happen. Well, we I don't know if we've, uh, we've for the, what, the 79th time, we we get a big, big swift kick to the can down the road. <laughs> yeah. It's uh but it's averted for now. Um does anybody really think that the the debt ceiling is the problem and not the debt? Well, it doesn't seem that way. I mean the the debt ceiling limit was the the thing that spurred this action and was held hostage, but um it it has not done anything to resolve the debt. In fact, I I think in many ways it might have exacerbated the debt issue and stalled it for another two years of being faced. Really, uh, you know, a whole spending issue should be coming up. They should be starting negotiations right now about that at the, for the end of the fiscal year, which is October for, September 30th, October 1st. Okay, well, there's only two ways to resolve that. Well, actually, I suppose three ways. Um, uh, there's two ways. One is to increase revenue. Yep. But they're already getting, like, a real lot of revenue. And the Republicans don't want to do that because that's that's their shtick. And the Democrats want to just keep giving money to people. Um, mm-hmm. That's how they, <clears throat> in their way, that's how they buy votes. They both buy votes by doing things that they they think their group likes to to see. Although the weird part is that uh, I'm not so sure that the, the the traditional groups are still behind these uh, different factions, meaning the Democrats and Republicans. Are you? No, I'm not. I think it's a very interesting way that this is developing, that, um, you know, who's really in support of what right now? Because is it it, it the old economic policies that are the backbone of the support for the Democrats and the Republicans? Or is it more on uh, social issues that really have nothing to do with the debt and debt policy? Um, Yeah, it's. uh, I'm not... You don't know... It's really hard to figure out, Brennan. I mean, I get obviously, you know, you get the stuff that I get is <clears throat> from the different uh, contributors to the show. I'm not exactly sure what, where a lot of this momentum, a lot of these policies are coming from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, re- I really don't. I don't. Uh, I, there's some groups that clearly have, <laughs> we're all taking a shot at any of us. Uh, 
mean, that's why, why old people have been a terrific, um, they've, been, they've been a favored, a favored group by uh, politicians because they all vote. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's also why minority politics plays such a role when, um, you know, both the, the fewer number of people who vote but have sway uh, is paramount. When you think about, you know, areas where you can limit the opposition vote so that each vote has more importance um, by, by laws that say certain people can't vote or make it so difficult that they can't vote. But you're right that older people tend to vote a lot more heavily than younger people do or middle class people do. And many younger people get cynical about what's going on and then have even less inclination to vote. Well, yeah, and obviously the, uh, well, not obviously, but from what I understand, uh, the gay community votes constantly, I mean, they're 100, not 100%, but uh, votes pretty seriously. Uh-huh. You know, so, I mean, they, they in terms of, uh, I'm not saying this is wrong, anybody can go out and vote, right? It's not like it's a, but the fact is they, they, they are, I'm going to say a higher percentage their vote than uh, other people. I mean, I, I don't know why that is, but they do. And, well, uh, I think, I, you know, if you look back historically, uh, people who have been, for want of a, a better term, oppressed or who have really been impacted tend to vote in high numbers when they get, get the right to vote. And you can look at, you know, you look at look at the political structure in a place like Boston or Chicago where the Irish coalesced into the political world and voted tremendously in tremendous numbers and as a result for a long period of time ruled the political class. And you can look nationwide that uh, when uh, available, black voters, especially black women, came out and voted in high numbers in areas where they were allowed to vote. And similarly, the gay community, when they coalesce into a neighborhood or a city or a state will come out to vote because vote equal, voting equals power. And when they realize that uh, and can coalesce their voting power, it is very important to them to move forward. What um, I want to talk one baseball uh, thing here somewhere during a half hour. But I don't know if you've listened to uh, well, we've talked about it a lot with Lou the last couple of weeks. I. Uh, I think if, if if you and I have the right to vote, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how I don't know how I go on this because I, I guess I, I say I, I go both ways on this one depending on what the argument is. Um, typically now, not typically, but uh, we see an awful lot of shares in the hands of institutions and in a lot of companies. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's pushing fifty percent in some things. I mean, I mean, I'm you know I'm a, the one of the worst. Uh, Abusers of this. When I say abusers, a real lot of my people, the money I manage, I'm not. I don't. I don't hold myself out as a as a big time stock picker. Uh, so for people who want diverse diversity, you know, I pretty much have them in the Qs or the Spiders or the Russell uh, ETFs. So unless somebody has stocks or really likes an industry or whatever, um, I think we don't have people with different you know different slices of, of uh, industries or stocks. But by and large, you know, I'm going to put uh, 
people maybe in a spider or something <clears throat> out of the gate because it's easy for me to protect it <clears throat> or whatever <clears throat> given the person's age or whatever they need um, but I also know that now a, a basically a bleep load of stock every time I buy spiders for somebody is, is held by State Street Bank in some kind of a trust it's an ETF but it's you know essentially a trust or <clears throat> if I uh, if I put my money in a you know van- a Vanguard or <clears throat> you name it, I mean there's there's all kinds of a zillion funds, right? Or if you're a the uh, California Teachers Fund or the Chicago Teachers Fund, California's Teachers Public Employees Union is like probably the biggest stockholder around, or one of them. Um, yeah, both stocks and bonds. Well, for for a long time, um, <clears throat> any kind of stuff that went on with companies, they would they would always just vote whatever the the uh, the board recommended, including mm-hmm. like raises and stuff. Okay, so they would, they would, it was very difficult to have any sort of a a revolt against the people that are in charge of the place, even though, you know, half of these boards, in my mind, should be thrown out. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so I think there's a real governance problem there. Well, now, all of a sudden, you have some firms, big holders of stock like BlackRock and people that are trying to become this political force. Where all of a sudden they're telling people we're not going to invest in your company if you don't, you know, hire more black people or something. And I, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know about that, Brendan. I mean, I just, I have an issue with that. I mean, uh, especially when you don't, you don't, uh, you don't know f- at all that they haven't hired somebody because of their color or something, which I would hope nobody would do. Uh, I mean, you just look at these ro- these broad numbers and say you must be doing something wrong. It's mm-hmm. not. Any, I mean, it's to, to not. I mean, I, like I say, I've, I've admitted on here many a times that I didn't want to, I didn't put my people in uh, Philip Morris for a long period of time because I didn't really want to support smoking. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But I also, they were also in court 90 bazillion places, so I had an out. You know, why do I got why, why should I buy stock in a company that's in court everywhere and any one of them could put them out of business, which they never did. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it's, I'm not so sure where I stand on this. Well, I, I do know that. At the end of the day, the individual shareholder has got nothing, which is which is probably not where you want to go. You know, I, so I don't know. There's not a question in there. It's just kind of a outlining sort of a situation. Because I don't, you know, I don't know that the uh, I want BlackRock dictating the companies how they run the place. It's, it's one thing. I mean, if it was, let's put it this way, Brendan. If you and I own forty thousand shares of Walmart, which wouldn't be a whole lot, if we want to go to the meeting, if we want to send a letter. If we want to make our voice heard, that's one thing. Not so sure. I feel as comfortable about that if it's other people's stock. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that if I had a firm big enough where I owned, I owned where my clients owned, you know, two hundred thousand shares of Walmart, and I didn't own any. That I really <laughs> that it's up to me to tell Walmart what to do. You know. No, I, I agree, it, and it is a very difficult question to answer, and a very difficult question to even to parse and answer too, but. How is that any different from a corporate raider who comes in and buys a position of stock and wants to change the company to pretty much strip the company out of everything and make money and then sell their stock? Aren't they doing pretty much the same thing and dictating what has to happen with the company for their own? Well, the difference is they are they are buying it, but getting their, getting their vote to be heard. I mean, I don't like half those guys, but I mean, if and if you and I <clears throat> wanted to buy, you know. Half the shares of uh, Intel, yeah, we get to tell the board what to do. We own it, yeah. right? Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that our plans would be better than the guys that are in there, 
But a lot of these boards are nothing but pay each other. Maybe and, pay. And that's, I, you know, I think that's also part of the problem. Well, sure it is. When, when you look at the, the pay structure of the corporate suite for a lot of these corporations, um, that's exacerbating the problems right now, exacerbating a lot of the disparity. And um, and then, of course, you know, to get back to the point you made a few minutes ago, the, the voting power of the gay community or the black community or the Irish or Italian community, you know, at, at different times over our history, is pretty much the way to controvert that. Well, and I, and I think um, you have people that have this favoritism, but mm-hmm. then, then when you have your, your your political structure is stacked with people that have never had a job, what mm-hmm. I consider to be a real job, and have clearly never owned a place. I mean, I, I hear stuff now, you know, um, you know, and I I don't think there's any issue with. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, obviously some kind of maternity leave, but I, I just have a, I have a problem with that. That's somewhat of a, um, I don't know. It, it's almost a competitive sort of thing. I don't, I don't know that when you've never owned a company, you should tell people you have to pay somebody for two years for not being there or something. How do you, how exactly do you do that with a small firm? Mm-hmm. Now I, I understand that point. Um, that that it is hard, and that. You know, that gets back to one of the basic differences, which is ironic the way it's played out right now, between Democrats and Republicans, where Republicans are the ones of small government that stays away from just that sort of a thing. That, in theory, uh, the Republican ideal that I grew up with was that, you know, you stay out of running a business, especially small businesses, which are the the backbone of a lot of job creation in this country. Well, they used to uh, be. I don't know if they are anymore. That was my next yeah. point. That used to be the way it was because now, um, for for political reasons, that has shifted to say we as Republicans want to get involved in every single thing you do, whether it's DEI stuff, whether it's maternity leave, you know, whether you know the the list just goes on and on. Which gets back to what we talked about earlier, that the, the distinction between what the Republicans used to stand for and what they stand for now uh, is night and day different. Well, the Democrats, I, I'm really wondering, are they, I mean, I, I used to get the feeling that, you know, we had Karen Reeves on the show a couple times, and Karen spent a lot of time working with groups that tried to get people uh, educated, get a skill set to get a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and but but she's kind of on the same page as I think you and I are in the sense that the goal at the end of the day is to have somebody working, making a living, being independent, thinking on their own, having a family if they want one, uh, having a place to live, those kinds of things. I don't think that that's that sense. I sense that changing, Brendan. Where it's where we're, we're looking. Some people's view is this permanent underclass. Where they're always getting a check from someplace, and the people who have the money somehow don't deserve it, and they deserve to be coughing up. Right? And I'm sure not a whole lot of people hopefully think that way, but it seems to be a growing theme. Because uh, actually, unfortunately, I was listening to, uh, well, to put it this way, I turned it on for a second. Um, <clears throat> Audrey had some right wing channel on there, and uh, of course, they've got you know some Republican guy talking about there was some proposal somewhere. God knows where, and uh, it had to do with what if if everybody who gets a check from the government has to report like at least one day, 
Uh-huh. And even if you even if you're cleaning up the school schoolyard, you're doing something. Yeah. And uh, of course, the response from you know some community or- organizer type of guy uh, is like, how how uh, disrespectful something like that is. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, I, plus I, I don't, I don't want to lob a bomb out here, but can we get rid of all these community organizers? What exactly are they? I mean, what what role do they have? I mean, the mayor is just talking about going through um, in his two weeks in office, but all this money or the Chicago Civic Federation. He's talking about coming up with money and working on violence and working through the community community organizers. Since when are they elected officials? Since when do we got to give money to those guys to push it down the chain? Yeah. Who, are, who are they? Yep, I, I I can't define who they are <laughs> or or what they really do. Well, I think they accept money from people and maybe pass it on to the people who you really want to give it to. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Anyway, my, my baseball story. What's the biggest choke in Major League history? Who choked and who beat them? Um, I'd say the 1964 Phillies at the end of their baseball season. Okay. Well, the answer here was the New York Yankees choke against the Pirates in the 60 World Series. Okay, Bill Mazeroski's walk-off home run in Game 7. Yeah, and uh, they said it was the Yankees had um, Maris Mantle, Berra batting back-to-back-to-back, which is pretty. It's a pretty good lineup. Uh, they had Elson Howard, Moose Scourin, which is a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> did you know? Did you know Moose when he was here? Uh, when he was here, I when he was alive, a, I met him at a couple of functions. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't really know him or knew him. I talked to him for about two or three hours one night at some shindig in New York, where the CBOE people had dragged him out there to sign autographs for the guys in New York or something. But he had already been back here. He owned a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, nice guy. I mean, uh, boy, yeah. talk about a big man. You wouldn't yeah. mess with that guy. Uh, they also had Righty Four, Ralph Terry. Had Bullet Bob, Bullet Bob Turley. There's a name. How would you like to be Bullet Matt Weber, Matty? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you got to be fast. Yeah, you got to be fast. Well, you also have to have something that begins with an M, like moving Matt, not yeah. Bullet Matt. Right. <laughs> it works for Bullet Bob with the alliteration. Well, the Pirates had a young Clemente, Mazeroski, and mostly a bunch of other no-name guys. They mm-hmm. Dick Dick Grode at short. He was okay. Bill Verdon was pretty good. Dick Stewart who ended up playing for the Cubs. Uh, they mm-hmm. said, whose abominable fielding truly did terrorize his own pirate fans. They call him Doctor Strange Glove in Stone Fingers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but look, look at these scores. I mean, I, mean, I didn't. I, I heard rumors about the series before, but now is is this a choke? The first game, the Pirates win six to four. Game two, the. Uh, Yankees win sixteen to three. Game three, the Yankees win ten to zero. Then the Pirates win three to two. The Pirates win five to two. Then the Yankees tw- win twelve to nothing. Then the Pirates win the last game on Mazeroski's home run ten to nine. So the Yankees had fifty-five runs versus twenty-seven, ninety-one hits versus sixty, and they lose. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd always heard about that series was that the Yankees kind of dominated them but still lost. Yeah, how do you boy? How do you even do that? Yeah, that's like having four close basketball games. But since we have Matty here, Matty, what's your take? That five to one on this basketball series. What's what is it now? Still five to one uh, for Denver to win. Is yeah. that what you're saying? I I can't imagine. No, I th- I bet it's probably like two and a half to one. Yeah, it was amazing that Denver lost at home. Well, especially after that third quarter when Yukovic, what's his name, Jokic, uh, was like a man among boys, and then all of a sudden, 
Those other guys just started firing. There's no quitting that Miami team. Mm-hmm. Led you, by Jimmy Butler. Yeah, what do you make of it, Matty? It's too, you know, it's too bad that the Bulls couldn't get a guy like Jimmy Butler. <laughs> well, the difference between him and, like, this Levine guy is if, is if somebody else gets hot, Butler's happy to let the other guy get hot. Mm-hmm. Instead of just shooting every single time. Yeah, Jimmy's actually been relatively quiet in this particular series. Um, compared to you know where, where he really carried them at times against you know the Celtics and in some of the earlier series, uh, it's interesting because on paper I didn't think Miami really had really matched up well with Denver. Obviously, you know no one has a, anyone that can stop Jokic, and even in Game Two that Miami won, Jokic had forty one points. Yeah, I mean, you're not stopping him. But they've really done a good job on on slowing the role players down that just kill you. When teams try to double and triple team Jokic, and he's just such a good passer and has such good vision, he's teeing up these these role players. Whether that's you know uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, who's a, a starter on the wing, or it's one of the bench guys coming off for Denver. You know they've really built that roster nicely, uh, which was the Bulls guy that built the core of that roster, by the way, before he came over to Chicago. And we're kind of hoping he does the same here, although it, <laughs> it's not, look like not looking good. Not working out so well yeah. so far. Um, but Miami's kind of said, okay, Jokic, you're going to get yours, and there's really nothing we can do about that. And Jamal Murray, you know, the, the second-best player on the Nuggets, you're going to get yours, and there's really nothing we can do about that. So you guys are going to combine for 70 points, and, and we're going to deal with that. But we're going to hold the rest of your roster, you know, way, way below their averages. And that really worked for them in game two. And even in game one, you know, they, they, they lost by 11 and they were never really in the game. But Denver didn't, you know, reach their scoring averages that, that they've been doing in, in the playoffs. So they have a good game plan here. I just don't know if they can continue to, to score enough to beat Denver throughout a seven-game series. But it certainly looked good in game two. Well, I don't think that when that guy Robinson hit all those points in the fourth quarter, there's, there's no way anybody on the Bulls could come in and do that with – Levine and the other guy just go one on one the whole fourth quarter. Like, I mean, maybe, but the the Bulls, the the major flaw with the Bulls is they have absolutely no shooting uh, among their role players. Um, their role players are guys like Caruso and and Io Dosumu and guys like that who are really nice players, but they're all guys that drive to the basket and have no ability to shoot whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, Miami and Denver, you know, they put a bunch of shooters around their star players. So that their star players, when they draw traffic, they actually have someone that they can throw to that can make a shot. The Bulls literally just don't have guys that can make shots. Well, Jimmy Butler seems just as happy if you put the the best defender on him with another guy helping. He just gives the ball up. That's the right thing to do. That is the right thing to yeah. do. Well, um, so um, the Cubs, any chance? Or are they in the sacks? I'm, I'm really surprised the Cubs have made this, this nasty turnover. They played a little better last week. Yeah, the, I mean, they've had injuries that have not helped them. Um, you know, Horner was out and missed a bunch of time. Then he comes back, and then immediately Bellinger goes out, and now he's missed a bunch of time. And that's two of their, you know, four core guys. So that, that's really kind of hurt them. And then you factor in, you know, the pitching, the starting pitching really took a dip for a month there uh, where, you know, Tyon, their big free agent signing, didn't couldn't do anything. Um, and and Stroman's kind of kind of been their only consistent pitcher over that stretch. So... Hopefully, you know, the pitching can kind of right itself. Kyle Hendricks has been okay since he came back. He's had uh, a bad start, an okay start, and a, and a good start in his three uh, since returning. So hopefully, you know, he can get something going. Um, but, yeah, they, they, their bullpen has been really bad. Their starting pitching has been inconsistent. And then they have ha- they've had some injuries in, in, uh, in the, you know, 
day-to-day core players that's really made them struggle the last month. That said, they're, they're seven under right now, uh, but they're only six back. Uh, so, and, and, you know, same with the White Sox. White Sox had a, a horrific start, uh, but they're, they're nine under now after sweeping the weekend series, and they're only five and a half back. Um, of the twins so you know it's amazing how bad the central divisions are in both leagues (laughs) yeah it it really is uh the pirates are leading the nl central they're five over the twins are leading the al central they're only two over um and they have a three and a half game lead despite just being two games above 500 so you know the the division is is kind of letting these guys hang around and all it's going to take is one really hot month and and all of a sudden you'll find yourself in in second place and, and 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 looking really good well Sox seem to have the pitching I mean, at least name-wise, they haven't performed that. But I mean, they have four or five starters. You at least know their names. That you know, that, I don't know if that makes any difference. But I mean, they traditionally are pretty good players. I mean, they they all could win two in a row. Well, they could. Although you look at a guy like Cease, he is not having the year he had last year. You wonder about the effectiveness of Lance Lynn and whether he can come back after that. And and then you're hoping for guys like Cope. I think Kopik is is a. a has a good chance of, of being a decent starter for them. Um, but, you know, their pitching has been inconsistent too, and uh, and their bullpen has fallen apart at times. It's been horrific watching. And the big thing is their defense sucks. Yeah. Well, that's the truth. Um, well, we got to – they, they have things like – look like little leaguers out there sometimes giving up games defensively. <laughs> what are you taking up one the other day where they, they got the ball in the umpire in the face and they couldn't find it and the guy took it <laughs> All three runs scored on either a wild pitch or a pass ball. Can you imagine that? I, I don't see how the hell it was a wild pitch if it hit the umpire in the face. Well, a, a wild pitch is any ball that gets past the catcher that was in the strike zone. So you're right. It's odd that it would be a wild pitch. Uh, but or I'm sorry, a pass ball is in the strike zone that gets by the catcher. A wild pitch is outside of the strike zone that gets by the catcher. All right. Well, I, I always thought it was catch, but in the dirt's usually a uh... – a wild pitch and the other stuff, they always expect the catcher to catch it pretty much, unless it's just a bit outside if it's a bull, like in the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it would be a wild pitch if it hits the umpire if the catcher couldn't get a glove on it. Well, Brennan, thank you. Uh, you, sound like you're, you sound like you're doing pretty good. I hope you are. Uh, uh, thanks for coming along. Okay. Good. SP Futures down three, NASA Futures down nine. Be right back. Joel and Connor. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, my work on the board. SP Futures uh, down 3 bucks. NASDAQ Futures down 9.75. Dow Futures down 40. So, very slow morning so far in the markets. Uh, we're in Europe. We've got the uh, DAX down 29. It's 0.2%. FTSE down 21.3%. Kakaron down 14.2%. They, they uh, thought this was going to be down lower, but, uh, but it isn't. I mean, there was some uh, interest rate movement uh, yesterday. Uh, as uh, Australia's stocks fell, the central bank hiked again. And I thought it was going to carry over to Europe. It really hasn't. Nikkei's up another 289.9%. Those are the guys that keep, keep their interest rates way down, keep pouring money in the system. Uh, the stock is at a 20-year high in their, their markets. It's, uh, I'm thinking it got to 35000 way back in the day, and it's getting pretty close to that. Hang Seng down 9. That's a slow day for those guys. 19099 Shanghai down 37. That's over 1%, so Chinese stocks not so hot. Yesterday, Dow just a little, well, the Dow was down 199 it was up 700 the day before, so it gave some of it back. S&P was down 8, NASDAQ down 11, so not much. Uh, bonds, <clears throat> we have the 10-year uh, down 1 basis point, uh, 3.67. The bond down 3, 2.33. The Japan, 0.43, like they kind of always are. Uh, oil, which has been rallying, not today, down a buck 70, 70, 45. That's over 2%. Rent down a dollar 71, 75 bucks. Natural gas down 2 cents, 2.22. So these... OPEC meetings seem to have about a three-day life, and then they're right back to where, where it was before. Gold up 560, 1979. We're, we're kind of stuck in this high 1900s now. It can't seem to make it to 2000. Make a run at it, come right back down. Silver up 12 cents, 23675. Copper unchanged, 375. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin had a huge down move yesterday. Up a little today. It was down like 1500 bucks yesterday. The SEC uh, filed suit against uh, one of those companies, or one of the one of the exchanges for. Um, Allegedly issuing securities without um, going through the process. Uh, Twenty-five thousand six ninety-nine is the whole number there, and the U.S. dollar is uh, up a little bit uh, against the euro. The euro is under one hundred seven now, and the pound's under. Well, it's actually back over one twenty-four, one twenty-four oh eight. But uh, dollar has been up and down the last few weeks. It's kind of taken gold and oil with it. What it does. Maybe what do you got for us, traffic weather sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a crash on the outbound Eisenhower westbound uh, at Austin Boulevard. That's exit 23A, and that's backed up to Central Avenue, exit 23B. This crash was, crash was just reported about 10 minutes ago. Uh, so uh, the crash, again, has been moved to the left shoulder, but it's causing all kinds of congestion on the outbound Eisenhower, which isn't usually the case at this hour uh, in the morning. So keep that in mind if you're heading out to the western suburbs. Inbound side traffic starting to build, but no accidents to report. Same could be said for the Edens and Kennedy. Right off the Kennedy, however, we have a crash at Addison and Pulaski. 
Outside the city, uh, there's one other crash to report, and that's in the southwest suburbs, 83rd Street at Woodridge Drive in Bolingbrook. There is a crash, but everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, sunshine early, could have a chance for rain in the early afternoon, uh, but uh, it'll be uh, mild temperatures and mostly cloudy skies with a high of 68. Right now it is cloudy and 65 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 99 today. Right now it's clear and 74. In sports, Cubs lost last night to the Padres 5-0 in San Diego. They ended up splitting that four-game series two games apiece. White Sox were off, coming off their weekend sweep of the Tigers. They're at the Yankees tonight. That's a 6.05 Chicago time first pitch. Diamondbacks are in first place. They're at the Washington Nationals tonight after they were off yesterday. Uh, so Diamondbacks off to a great start, Chief. 35-25. and 25. They're tied with the Dodgers atop the NL West. The Cubs are at 26-33, and 33, seven games below 500, fourth place in the NL Central, but just six games back of a struggling division. Pirates are leading the division right now. And the White Sox, after their horrific April, have kind of scrapped their way back into it in the AL Central. They're at 26-35, and 35, not a great record, but just five and a half back of the Minnesota Twins, uh, who lead at the AL Central. Uh, the Stanley Cup Finals uh, Game 2 was played last night in Vegas, and it was the Golden Knights blowing out Florida 7-2 to and taking a two-games-to-nothing lead in that best Those of Those guys look pretty good. Yeah, they look uh, very good. Uh, and in the NBA Finals, as we talked about before the break, uh, Miami uh, and Denver are tied at one game apiece. Game 3 is tomorrow night uh, down in Miami as the Heat look to take control of that series after uh, stealing one in Denver. Why have they gone to the... A week off between games. I mean, you're losing total momentum on the viewership. I think. Yeah, they really stretch it out, don't they? Two games, uh, two days off between uh, between games. A little weird. Yeah, we have Mr. Joel. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing good. This is the 79th anniversary of what major event, Joel? You'll know this. 79th anniversary of what major event? The 6th of June. Ah. Uh... Man, you got me, Chief. D-Day, the 6th of June? Oh, uh, I was going to go war. I was going to go war. I was thinking, I knew it wasn't Panama Canal, because uh, that was in December. Uh, but, yeah, I was thinking war. war. Yep, D-Day. Yeah, not not much has changed then, huh? No, it's. Uh, um, so I still, one of these days, have to get to Normandy uh, see that. Although, I'll probably do the World War One stuff first if I can. Uh, I don't know if I have any chance. But, uh, well, you, uh, man, you talked on a lot of different topics here. I, you know, on your intro here, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, crude. How about that reaction to the OPEC cuts? That opened at uh, seventy-five oh three, ticked seventy-five oh six, and then it was down a buck and a half within fifteen minutes. So, I mean, something. The last time they did that, that rally really had legs. So, man, oh man, I know I've been a perma. On our crude, but that reaction to that, you know, you know, was more of a continuation than anything. I'd be really concerned if I was long crude oil futures or long crude oil stocks. That was just an absolute horrible reaction to a to a major catalyst. I, so I have to say about that. And then you talked about uh, the Bitcoin. I mean, you know, is this FTX part two here? I mean, we'll see. I mean, Bitcoin got hit yesterday. It's only, uh, uh, you know, it's back up today. But holy moly, I mean, you just uh, just got that FTX thing out, you know, in the rearview mirror, and now you and now you got this. So, concern, concern for Bitcoin holders on my part. Well, of course, the the TV creatures were 
all over regulatory overreach because they they must own some of it or something. I don't know, but I I think Joel, I, the, the detail of it is, I don't think anybody is is saying Bitcoin itself as as any sort of an issue with securities. But a lot of these, what are the things that were the the, the tokens or whatever? Yes, that, that firms were issuing on their own, essentially, and saying that they were they were something. The SEC saying those things are essentially a security. What's the matter with you people? I, I, yeah. I, I might have to go with the SEC on this one. I don't usually, but those things sure, sure smell like a security to me or something. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's a non-regulated security. I mean, that any way you crack it. But uh, So what else? Oh, if you want to switch to sports, man, your White Sox put the hurt to my Motor City kitties, yeah. man. Uh, we got some, you know, we were within two games of 500, and then we got swept by you guys. Absolutely brutal. Walk-off grand slam. Uh, we got some major injuries now with uh, to our top hitter, who was actually one of the top hitters in that, all of baseball, Riley Green. He goes down with an injury. And then Eduardo Rodriguez, who was just absolutely tearing it up on the pitching mound. He has some kind of finger injury. They were thinking of trading him, so I don't know. My, they could be a short. They, they, they have seven out of ten games coming up against the Twins uh, mid-month, and Twins are obviously the leader of the division, but they're going to have to play 500 ball between now and then and uh, even to make that series interesting. Joel, but, what are you uh, – uh, uh, Matty hasn't been here, but we've I've tried to – all these discussions are always better when he is here, right? I watched a couple games with the Triple E. I watched somebody play. It wasn't the Cubs or the Sox, but somebody was playing in Cleveland. And uh-huh. God, and I'm telling you, 15 years ago, we were we were almost almost merged with a firm out there. Or actually, his firm became, almost became part of PTI, and then uh, the poor guy ended up uh, he had diabetes real bad. I don't think he ended up so hot, but terrific guy. But he took us to a couple of Cleveland games. You couldn't get a ticket. I mean, the place was empty. Is is Detroit? Is there anybody there for these games? No, not really. I mean, it, it, attendance has picked up a little bit, a little bit. Uh, well, you know, they've just been bad for so long. You know, if you talk about a Friday night game or Saturday afternoon game, there's a little better attendance. But they have just been in the doldrums for so long that uh, now the ticket. But they make the money. They make the money off TV. I will say. That you know that I like that pitch clock. I think that was an innovative oh, move. I I do mean, too. That, yeah, that changes the game. So happy about that. Uh, but um, no, I mean the, the money comes from the TV chief. And, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, I, that, I, I don't yeah. know about that. I mean, uh, it, it, it's it, the even money does. But I mean, where the where the season ticket? I've heard some people say in some of these games was it Detroit or Cleveland or someplace where the you know there were like twelve thousand people there. Well, you're counting tickets sold. I mean the the, the the season ticket load has to be down to like ne- next to nothing. I, I get the Cubs season ticket load is what maybe twenty five at least. Probably it's one of the best in baseball. Yeah, but I mean, what, what, what do you think the Sox is down to five? It's, it can't be much. I mean, it's just uh, it, you know, I don't know. I don't, you think it's just all COVID related, or the price related, or, or what do you think it is? I think it's price. I think it's pri- you know price, and then I, I just think you know it's it's the teams too. I mean, you know, the Dodgers are up at, you know, top in attendance. The Yankees are up at top in attendance. Look at the teams. I mean, if you win, you get better attendance. If you don't win, you know, you got uh, you got the Dodgers averaging, you know, close to 40,000 a game. Yeah. I don't know how correct the Phillies, that is. The Phillies are packing them in, too. 
It's yeah. all, it's solely dependent upon if your team is good or not. That's it. Period. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. It. There's always going to be rich enough people that that'll buy, that'll pay the premium ticket. It might not be the everyday man that's going to the games, unfortunately, but there'll always be somebody that'll go if the team's good. There's a uh, Manny and I have discussed this for years, but there's there's some some crescendo at which it has to be the place to be a little bit, and it has to you have to sell the tickets essentially in January. I mean, it, I think. I mean. It, I don't know. It's been so long since I've ever seen anybody sitting in a bar at five thirty saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's just go to the Cub game tonight and get by a Sox game and let's buy a ticket and walk in." I, I think that that reflex is just gone. If you don't, I mean, I think the, the Philly tickets were sold. In, I mean, it, who was the, uh, the the former owner of the uh, the Cubs said, "If you don't sell tickets in January, you don't sell them unless you got an unusual game." I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. What yeah, I, yeah, I. Um, you know, it's it's just so many games. You know, like football, you know, like, you know, whatever. There's six, seven, you know, home games. I mean, it's just, yeah. there's so many, there's so many games. And that, that, uh, that in the fact there with, you know, whether your team is good or not. But, uh, guys, I got to hop. It was All right, take care, bud. You. Back next week, go blue. All right, take care of yourself. S&P Futures down 75 cents. There's a Futures up five. We're going right to Kenny anyway. Kenny, uh, do I have the power of stopping the whole market because I put on a long premium spread? <laughs> No, only if we could. But no, I'm sorry. You cannot do that. The market will go on like time. The clock will tick. The market will go on. So all of a sudden now everything's okay for two days. We're not going anywhere. Well, well you know what? I'm not necessarily sure that everything's okay for two days. I actually think that, the you know, I've been think, saying that the market's been toppy anyway. I was frustrated that it didn't kind of back off sooner than it did. But it kind of feels tired. And it kind of feels that's what it's going to do now over the next uh, I would imagine over the next week until we get clarity from the Fed that we could see a bias uh, to the downside as the market kind of digests uh, the recent moves up and expectations on what the Fed's going to do. What um, I I don't know I don't, I don't want to go to my usual inflation rant, but uh, I think that the stuff is is just working through some of the stuff now. I mean, it, it's still going up in some areas. Oh, I mean, I, I, uh, no, I agree. Well, what do you mean? I like define that. What well, do you mean? I mean, I'm saying is the the, the perfectly, com- well, I'll say the very competitive stuff, like yeah. uh, like you know, if you want out, if you buy chicken or pork or something, it, those prices have come down, you know, to almost pre-COVID levels. Right. Anything, anything processed is still high, but the thing that is really bizarre is like your phone bills or something if you're a business or something that you- took this long to work its way through the legislature with them crying about how, you know, how the inflation affected them and they got the rates raised and that. Stuff like your right. electric bill, your gas bill, where it takes a while to actually get it through. You know, the fact is, these guys are the gas bills in some areas now. They're they're priced like the gas is nine bucks, and it's and it's two bucks. You know, what I mean, and it's not at all. Well, the electric bill too, right? My yeah. electric bill went up uh, eight. My electric bill went up eighteen percent, caused my actual bill to go up by forty percent. I don't necessarily see that they're going to start cutting rates anytime soon, even though, like you said, natural gas is trading much lower than it was, you know, six months or a year ago. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say clumsily here is that there's a difference between natural gas coming back down and the monopolistic thing we've we have we have regarding people's gas delivery. Gas could go to fifty cents now; it doesn't make any difference. Your tax your tax right. bill is going to your gas bill is going to stay high, and I don't think exactly. I mean, so what the what the Fed started is still percolating in some areas, right? I mean, yeah. you, I mean, you have uh, you know some more cars available. I don't know how much. People probably are less likely to pay over list now, but I don't see 
uh, you know, the, the list price of a Ford pickup dropping twenty grand. Like I could probably no, show I, I mean, I don't, I, right, and I don't see it either. I think what's going to happen is it'll stabilize. It won't go up anymore. It'll stabilize, and then it'll just become the norm, right? I don't think I don't think they're they're dropping at all. You know, if they drop it all, it's a little bit. It's not just certainly dropping by twenty grand. They'll be, you know, they'll be gimmicks and stuff when they want to make have sales of Fourth of July sale and all that, and they'll give you a thousand dollars back and all that stuff. But they're not coming in drastically at all. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I stand with my number that if at the end of the day, uh, for the stuff that's not competitive, and there's not a whole lot of stuff that's left competitive, I'm gonna yep. say I, I went through the money supply numbers again this week, Kenny. I'm gonna say the end of the day, we're up thirty to forty percent. Probably is averaging thirty-five percent from when this all started, and the Fed is saying what they want about money supply and about balance sheet. The fact is, they they almost they tripled it, and now it's down like five percent from its high. It's a pimple yeah. in the ass of an elephant. It, it isn't. It, it's not agreed. Agreed, and so therefore, that's kind of also what's helping. I think the market stay much higher than it should be, and I don't necessarily think it should have been that it should be significantly lower, but it certainly shouldn't be ticking these highs at the moment, considering there's still all this uncertainty out there, right? What happened to the, all the concern over commercial real estate loans? Those haven't gone away. Those still are out there. We see empty office space all over the yeah. country, and so what's going to happen to that? Suddenly, no one's even talking about that for for a week and a half. It was the whole rage, and now suddenly it's not anymore. Like I don't get that. Well, I don't. I'm really stunned. I, I mean, you and I have been around forever, but I, I am totally stunned by the. It just happens a lot. This happened in the 2000. It happened. Well, it happened in Bitcoin. Or it's like it's like I, was, I, I quoted a. I don't know which one of our our, our crazy sell-offs we had. It might have been the long long-term capital or whatever. And the the uh, headline in the Onion. I don't know if you ever seen the Onion. Uh, headline in the Onion was America desperately seeking another bubble, and it <laughs> a. I, I, it seems like that's that's all we're doing, Kenny. I mean, we have this generation of people that just sit home, watch TV, and trade whatever it is. And if something starts moving, they just jump in without even knowing. I, I don't think 90% of the people that bought into Bitcoin have any idea what Bitcoin even is, maybe me included. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody knew what the dot-com stuff was in the 2000s. I don't think anybody knows what the cloud is. And I don't think anybody knows what artificial intelligence is. Well... <laughs> You know, it's interesting, but when when you because you mentioned the dot com bubble, and I put this in my note yesterday. You know, the dot com bubble was a phenomenon that uh, that dealt with companies that didn't have any real revenues. They didn't really have a story yet. They had guys like Henry Blodgett that was you know telling you trees can go to the sky and don't worry about it, just jump on. Meanwhile, he's been a disgraced analyst after that. But um, today we're talking about real companies, right? You're talking about Microsoft, Google, uh, Amazon, talking about all these uh, IBM, all these companies that are now getting into the space. And look, the space exists. I think it's obvious that the space exists. Most people at least have an idea of what you mean by artificial intelligence, the way that, you know, algorithms work, the way that, you know, uh, uh, cars can drive themselves. All that stuff is all part of artificial intelligence, right? So I think most people have a sense of it. I don't think that most people, though, have a sense of the potential potential change that's coming because i think there's massive changes coming it's going to disrupt you know the world and possibly humanity right well it depends on like everything else and how any and how anything's used i mean but the thing that you know i i learned from the people on the show uh is that it's all just a big progression i mean it's not like the what people were looking to do they weren't looking to do 10 years ago it's a question of 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 of, uh storage capacity it's a question of computing capacity but it's all been sort of the same place but it's not it's not like 
It's like the cloud. I mean, when Kevin said two weeks ago, he goes, people figured out that all you're doing is rent a computer space for somebody else. I mean, it's that's right. what the cloud is. I mean, it's not right. It's not. Right. I mean, it's not a. It's it's a it's a tremendous breakthrough for a firm if you don't right. have to, if you don't have to uh, pony up for your maximum capacity. It helps you out a lot in terms of cost, but it's not it's not brain surgery. I mean, it's you know it, it no is. no right. It's not. But it also listen. It also helps you think about think about the amount of less physical space you need either right. in an office absolutely the cabinets are, right so so it, it really affects a range of expenses and you're right it goes up into a cloud and you're really renting space from somebody else but it's you know stored someplace in the netherworld that you know we don't know it's just up there somewhere and you can get it anytime you want it well actually uh when kevin used to do this stuff for better world books you know exactly where it is somebody has a server farm down the block that's where it is right well okay that's where it is you're yeah. right i guess the, the question always haunts me is that who really has access to that data they go oh no you know it's all secure you know what i don't believe any i don't believe any of that yeah, I, don't. I don't think it's all secure at all right i think anyone can get well not anyone can get it but i think whoever wants to get it can get it um and so but that's a whole nother conversation but one way or the other you know that also has changed the world and artificial intelligence you know is going to you saw that you saw that article last week talking about the uh, the military guy that talked about how the 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 missile actually turned on its turned on the controller right and blew the guy up and then he walked it back and said well we were only we were only simulating it didn't really happen but what if it happened no 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 i'm not so sure that that's true well you know, i think it did happen well i don't think you uh I have a chance. To, well, Carl was talking last week, and he, you know, Carl's been on this stuff forever. I mean, he had a software yeah. firm back in God knows when, but he yeah. was saying that you you can put a, a camera on the front of a car, yeah, and, and you're driving by, you're not going to notice the tree, you're not going to notice, right. you know, somebody walking down the sidewalk. The camera is going to pick up all of that, right. So, in in one sense, it's a huge advance from, from agreed what, from what you can do. He said, but nobody, despite what they say. Look at the problems they're having. Nobody can filter that information and focus on the stuff that's important, like to drive the car, like the human brain. They they haven't been able to do it. They still can't do it. Right. And, and well, not, I, I mean, it's it's just different. One one can focus and one can't. I mean, and you and to make the decisions in such a way that quickly, for whatever reason, this the the actual thinking process, he said, is still. They can talk what they want about. They're making progress. Yeah, they are. He goes, but it, they're not there. And then maybe we'll never get there. Well, it's interesting because I, I think the pace at which it's moving, uh, and because it's moving dramatically, uh, I, I'm in the camp that I think it will get there. And I'm actually in the camp that's quite concerned about it because, okay. you know, that it's going well, to it's gonna be it's gonna be out of control. All right, I got to ask you. You have seen the movie 2001. A, a long time ago. <laughs> Well, you can remember there's there was two there was that movie it was Hal and then there was the original yeah. Star Trek episode with uh, the the guy uh, Daystrom put together a thing that could run the whole starship. Yeah. Well, then all of a sudden the other the other they they uh, they tested it in battle, and of course it, it it kicked ass on about five starships when it shouldn't have been able to. Nobody nobody could think that fast, but then all of a sudden it started shooting them for real. Right. Now, because they, well, that was yeah. that that was essentially what the what this military uh, uh, guy said last week, right? That he was that that he made it sound as if it happened, and then he when there was all this concern about it, he rolled it back and said, "No, no, no, it wasn't really for real." In fact, I do think it was for real in the test that they were doing. I do think it was real. I think the guy was right in the first place, but then he got he, you know then he got reprimanded for for even saying it. 
and had to pull it back because well, what I, happened? I what happened? Uh, genie out of the bottle. The guy shot a missile and it came back. I think I why did the missile do yeah, that? Yeah, well, it was it, you have to you have to read the story. It was like they were controlling it apparently, um, and they gave it a command, but it turned on its it turned on the owner basically, right? It turned on the guy controlling it and came back and blew him up versus blowing up what it was supposed to blow up. It's, it's all over the internet. I have to look it up to see it, but I'm just listening to it. And the guy got the the guy who who divulged the story. Uh, must have really gotten taken out to the woodshed and, and spanked because then he came out and he and he and he took it all back and he said no it was just we were talking hypotheticals no I'm not really sure you were talking well, about I guess why would the thing turn around and blast the guy he didn't like him or I what? have no idea because, <laughs> I have no idea because it had a mind of its own the guy didn't give it a, a give him a, a, a girlfriend missile or what. I, <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, here we are laughing about it. But it's really, you know, it, it could potentially be a dangerous thing. And I think we let that genie out of the bottle. It's going to be very difficult. You're not going to shove it back in. The genie is not going back in the bottle by well, any stretch. When's the last time in, in the human race that people invented something right. uh, that had the morals and rules in place for the next invention? Well, it ha- well but it happens Never. all the time, right? Because you go from one to the next to the next. Well, I mean, uh, the uh, quick, th- I'll give it a 30 seconds max I'll give on this back. I don't know how much you've read about it, World War One. I. I haven't what, read a real lot, but I did some stuff on the on the ship, on the on naval warfare. So yeah. the, Ger- the Germans get a submarine, right? So the first thing they do is sink a British ship. You know, and, and then, uh, of course, there's another ship there, and they don't know what happened to the thing. So it turns around, they try and pick up survivors, so what do you think the submarine does? It sinks the other ship. So then there's a huge hue and cry... That uh, it should you know, it was illegal at the time to blast another ship if you didn't have the ability to pick up survivors. And right. They figured the submarine. There's no way it's going to knock off a big ship, and everybody's going to pile on the submarine, even if they wanted them to. So they tried to ban submarines because actually the, the you know the British felt that that you're supposed to have battleships, and we're all supposed to run out our battleships and and shoot at each other and see who wins. Well, of course, they had like 50 of them, and the Germans had like 10. So the Germans said, "We're not going to get." We're not going to even up there. So they, of course, went and got another rule of warfare. And how long did it take before people had flamethrowers and gas and everything else? I mean, uh, the whole idea with gas, you weren't supposed to, the rules were you, you couldn't put gas in a shell. So they had people sneak out at night with hoses near the other guy's trench, and they brought hoses near the trench. Right. So so the morality of, of any of this stuff, whatever it is, inventions always seem to lag the invention, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, no, they always do. And But I... I I I I think that could change, right? I think that could change now that they've got this technology advanced to such a state where it can literally almost—we're not there yet—but it's almost going to start thinking on its own because that's where they're going to take it. You, that, that's where they're going to take it. You know it, I know it, right? Well, still, at some point, can the seven stacks that Kramer's coming up with now it reminds me of the, the Morgan or the, was it the Morgan Stanley Nifty Fifty? Can yep. the seven, are they going to take over the world? There's no antitrust in any of these people. There's, they can buy everybody else up. I mean, is, right. is it? I mean, I look at this and say I don't want to own these things. They're too high. And the next second, I'm going, maybe I do. Maybe, maybe they're going to own everything. Every other, well, every other stack: oil, defense, communication, telephone, Verizon, 3M. Every other stack is flat on its ass this year or down, except right. for these stacks. Right, and so that's the that's the whole point. If you took those five stocks out, the market would not be where it is at the moment. It's all being held up by a handful of names, and certainly Apple um, is because it's a member of all three indexes, right? The the Dow, yeah. Nasdaq, and the S and P. Uh, if you take Apple out, or whatever Apple does, can really dictate the move in all the other indexes, right? 
Um, but yeah, if you take them out, then the market would would not be where it is today. Well, I listen to Apple Wait. all day yesterday. I had to turn the TV off. Yes, Two so stations. I. All I heard is Apple. Does, does anybody in this country even know that other people make phones? They get they get ninety nine percent of the press. And what do they sell? Forty percent of the phones. I, I hear you. I hear you. But you know, yesterday was all about the Worldwide Development Conference and that introduction to that yeah. new headset, whatever it is. It's actually, and I put it in my notes this morning, it's really just another isolationist product because everything, when you think about it, the Apple iPhone takes people away from the conversation. The iPad, the 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 uh, uh, the iPod takes people away from the conversation. People become more and more isolationist. Well, this virtual technology that whether Meta has it or Apple has it or Google has it, it really takes people out of the conversation and creates more isolationist. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, look, yesterday they didn't tell us why I'm going to need this product, right? Why is it so important that I go out and buy this product? I suppose the developers now have to develop all kinds of apps that are going to make it you know, part of part of you know our world. We don't know what it is yet. I have no interest in running right out to buy one of these headsets. Well, first of all, interest. you can't buy them for a year and they're thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah, well, first of all, it's thirty five hundred bucks. You can't buy them. But second of all, I got to tell you something. Have you ever done like a, a virtual reality thing? When I put those glasses on, I get see, like I get seasick. I, like I wanted, like I feel like I, I want to know part of it. Audrey's nephew. Audrey's no. nephew had one, and she put him on. The kid was loving. I want no part of it. None whatsoever. Yeah, zero. None of it. I'm, I'm with you. All right, Kenny. Thank you very much, bud. SP futures yeah. are damn near flat. Down one. Nasdaq's up one. So we're about as flat as we can get. Uh, be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Weber on the board. SP Futures down one. NASDAQ Futures up one. So we're, uh, we're, we're pausing here. We don't know what we're pausing before, but we're, we're definitely pausing. Professor, how are you? Hey, good morning, Tom. Uh, what's a good word, bud? How are things in New York? Uh, pretty good. I, I took the kids to, or I uh, was a chaperone on the kids' field trip, the triplets' field trip yesterday. We went to uh, Green Acres Farm. It's not really a farm. It's a uh, petting zoo. And uh, in Idaho, you get paid. They pay you to feed livestock. In New York, you have to pay $3 to buy a head of lettuce to pay to, to feed the cows. <laughs> they have it kind of backwards. Uh, the cows like lettuce, do they? Yeah, they love it. Uh, so my kids fed uh, the uh, goats and uh, the cows, and they paid for it. Um, they, they they were paying the farmer. Kind of sounds like government policy. They were paying the farmer to uh, feed the farmer's cows. I love it. Only in America. <laughs> oh, here's another thing too. We went on a hayride, and all the kids in my triplets uh, classes. There's three of them. Each triplet is in a different class, and they have three third grade uh, classes. All the kids were like, "Hey, teacher." Can we uh, drive the tractor to school? This is a lot of fun. I'm thinking to myself, you know, dudes, I grew up on a farm, and I drove a tripod tractor, International Harvester, for eight hours when I was 12 years old, per day. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking that was fun at all. Now, that thing didn't have, <laughs> didn't have front-wheel drive, did it? It was just a back wheel? It didn't have a cab. It didn't have a cab. It had two little wheels on the front and two six-foot tires in the back, and I drove a Harrow up and down my dad's fields for hours in uh, for weeks during the summer uh, to prepare the fields for planting. Okay. Where was this petting zoo at? Like Long Island or something? Um, yeah, I don't know if the audience knows about Brooklyn, but there's a road called Flatbush. It's where driving is like slalom skiing because you had to avoid the double and triple parkers. At the same time, you got to avoid the illegal left turners and the dollar cabs. So you're going down the the avenue, Flatbush Avenue, like a slalom skier through the uh, poles. <laughs> uh, but it goes from downtown Brooklyn, uh, like the Manhattan Bridge and the, and the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, out southeast to the ocean. And we were out there, way out there in the ocean, uh, near the ocean. You could feel the cool breeze. The sun was hot, but the breeze from the ocean was really nice. Wasn't that the setting for... Uh... The Duke of Earl and stuff, the Flatbush is the Avenue or whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a. I think, yeah. I think so. I, I the was it Stallone's first movie, the uh, blank of Flatbush, the Lords of Flatbush. Yeah, the Lords of yeah. Flatbush or something. Yeah, it was a. Yeah. Um, it's the uh, when you're talking about you know feeding the uh, cows. The one of the uh, I'll say interesting ladies downstairs who works in the bar. She's also a, a vet tech, of course. She keeps taking animals home, right? So she's yeah. up to like six or seven dogs and a couple of cats. And, <laughs> and uh, she has a 70-pound tortoise. Holy moly. And the guy can move pretty good. I mean, he's, a, he's not a snapping turtle or anything, but his, his favorite is kale. So she, she's, she's asking me, how do I plant kale? So I have to be buying kale. She wants to grow her own kale so she can feed the tortoise. <laughs> well, she's, she's got a film of the guy, like, hot-footing it out of the garage. And, I mean, it, you know, he could cover some ground. It wasn't like, it's not like he's fast, but it's not like... You can't move either. 
And, uh, well, kale, you have to you have to grow in uh, like a tank, don't you? I, it's I have no idea. I was not much help. I said I can help you with tomatoes yeah. and peppers, but I she has, to, she has to simulate ocean dishes to grow kale. I, I, I you know more about it than me, obviously. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> sort of interesting. I look at this guy. What, 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 are you, what are you doing with this guy? But in, in the wintertime, they get a bunch of a couple heaters in the garage, put a bunch of hay in there, and he hangs in there. I was like, okay. How long do those guys live? It's like a long time, I think. Well, I think turtles can live two, three hundred years, the big ones. Yeah, yeah. so you got to put them in your will or what? I mean, it's it's like having a parrot. They live like 80 years too, don't they? Well, at least it's not the monkey that that woman was uh, married to. Oh, God. I didn't the one that there. beat her up? Oh, man. Oh, man. Brutal. Oh. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'll give you a few stats here, and I'm not leading the witness, but as as a an economist and somebody who is a, you know, just a lover of history... Does this stuff become a problem, or is it different this time? Uh, the top seven NASDAQ 100 components are up $3.35 trillion this year, market cap, while the bottom 93 are only up $635 billion. Uh, the Magnificent Seven, uh, those stocks, account for 84% of the NASDAQ 100's $4 trillion growth in market valuation. Apple and Microsoft have each gained more in value than the entire bottom 93 stocks. Are we... Are we turning into, uh, you know, not in terms of leadership or anything, but economically, are we turning into fascist Germany, where every industry has one one company that you know plays fast and loose with the government, and everybody else is out of business? Are we, is that where we're heading? Do we really want to be in these stocks, or is this a phenomenon that will that will fade like the Nifty Fifty of fifty years ago, where we're the best the, the stocks that we're going to take over the world ten years later? You don't even know who the hell they are. I mean, I, I, I sense it's kind of different this time. I really do. As much as I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's crazy that it's happening. Um, but, you know, I think maybe perhaps there's a lot of lending going on still. And that lending gets uh, is in the form of margin debt. And if you look at margin debt, even though it's down heavy year over year, uh, it's still up. Pre-pandemic, yeah. Uh, so margin debt reached a peak of what uh, six hundred six seventy six hundred trillion. Yeah, I looked at it the other day. Uh, yeah, and it was it was was way up there, and it's come down just a hair, but not. Yeah, it but, doubled. It doubled uh, during the pandemic, right? In like that month during the pandemic. Yeah, it went from three hundred trillion to six hundred trillion. I don't think it's trillion or a billion. Yeah, yeah billion. Yeah. Sorry, it went from uh, three hundred. Just over three hundred billion to just under six hundred billion, and now it's at just over four hundred billion. So, you know, rich people aren't going to pay cash to buy assets; they're going to use as much leverage as possible. Because, yep. like we said in earlier shows, an asset goes up uh, what five percent uh, in real terms, uh, and you use ten percent down. I think it is. It ends up being a five hundred percent return. If you sell it, well, the simple so, if you're gonna if you're gonna here I'm, I'm preaching to the professor. If you have a when I back when I learned economics, they used to teach us like we were dummies, which we probably were. It's very basic. If you put up a million dollars for a company and you and you make ten percent return, you're gonna make hundred thousand bucks, right? Yeah. Well, if you put up fifty thousand or five hundred thousand. And borrow the other five hundred thousand at six percent. All of a sudden, now and, and your five hundred thousand, you're going to be making way more than ten percent because you're making four yeah. percent of the stuff you borrowed. 
and you're making the 10% of the stuff you put in. Yeah, it's not how much yeah. it costs. Yeah. It's how much cash you put into it. Right. right? It's, it's, all, it's all part of But, you know, as they say, the greatest thing in the world is, uh, is leverage, and the crummiest thing in the world is leverage. It's all a matter of yeah. timing, right? And what, when, what the Fed does is it makes the crummy not last very long and yeah. uh, very uh, rare. So every eight years, it's crummy. But for that time in between, it's great, right? But I think that... Uh, because the Fed creates inflation. But what, I, what I've... I don't know why I've focused on it later uh, as I've gotten older, right? The, uh, I, I used to think of it almost the exact same way that you and Carl do. Like, man, Carl's probably more more of a conspiracy theorist than you. Matter of fact, a lot more. Uh, I look at I look at it like these are just business cycles that the Fed has been slow to react, and and it's just been a, a succession of honest mistakes. And now I really don't feel that way, Carl. I mean, I I, I, I know who I'm even preaching to, but I really do believe that every single time it happens, there's a whole bunch of people that really make a lot more money than they ever should have, and a lot of other people basically get hold, you know, or. or, or or the part that goes over the fence last, and I don't—I refuse to believe after seeing this succession starting in when I was a kid in the '60s till now that it's all not pre-planned somehow by somebody. I don't know who this somebody is, and I don't know who this somebody could be that organized, but somehow or another, it just sort of ends up in the same spot because and to feed that to feed those kind of fears. If you go to Calvary.edu, it's a—I have the link if anybody wants. I can put my Twitter feed. But if you go to this uh, calvary.edu link, it has uh, Nazi economic history. And if you go through it, you're kind of like, we're not talking about you know the, the gassing and killing of uh, Christians and non-compliers and, and Jewish people. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about the economic policies. And if you go through it, all these economic policies, you're like, Republican, Republican, Democrat, Democrat, Republican, yeah, yeah. Democrat. It, it, it's really quite scary and and I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but you know, during the uh, last massive inflation that occurred in the United States during the late '70s and early '80s, you had a you had a, a drop in the number of banks, and I, and a lot of that was the savings loans, right? Well, yeah, we, we lost uh, the whole industry. Yeah, and what the Fed did is what it did to Silicon Valley Bank, right? And the same thing happened during the Great Recession. Uh, you had a lot of bank consolidation. I think. Half, I, re- I remember reading an article about TARP. Half the money was used like used by these two big to fail banks to become even bigger. They were buying up yeah. their competitors, and and you're seeing that in banking right now. Where I, I was seeing these numbers, I couldn't believe the numbers, but the deposit outflow from regional banks and banks in general into money markets. I mean, to me, it makes sense. <laughs> but what what better way to eliminate competition by jacking up interest rates from basically zero to five? And what? A, a year's time, you get all those. You know, people aren't going to want two point two percent on their on their um, their deposits. They're going to move it into money markets where they can get four or five percent. Do you see this massive shift from banks into the bigger banks or banks into money markets? And you know, I mean, they have to have some historians on staff at the Fed. I've I've only been in the Fed, the hollowed hall, uh, halls of the Fed. Twice, I took a team to the Richmond Fed. I took the team to the Charlotte branch of the Richmond Fed to uh, the Fed Challenge, the College Fed Challenge. And so I was only in the these hollowed halls, uh, air quotes, uh, twice. 
But they have to have people on staff who have looked at history. If they don't, then all the math that they do is... You take away the uh, conspiracy theory, math without that historical context is the reason why Macro was in the, the, the basement in 2008 and 2009 and 2010. You got to have history. Yeah, yeah, these models have to be because there's so many assumptions in these economic theories and the worst theories are the ones with the most assumptions. And one of the worst assumptions of all time is that are as paribus because as I drive to work this morning, which I'm not doing because it's summer, but if I rode the subway to work, Federus is not paribus. Things are shifting, right? Things are being announced and so when you when you embed models uh, with all kinds of assumptions, you get people who are blindsided if they don't know economic history. And, and I'm afraid maybe that's the problem with the Fed. They don't they don't look at history. They look at these mathematical models and these statistical measures. But every time something like this happens, if anybody, it's it's a tough read. But I did. It must have been a real snowy day. God, it had to be ten years ago. I, uh, I actually did a whole bunch of reading on the Resolution Trust and some of the work that was done with some guy, talking about one of the oddest dudes that I've ever come across in history. I've never met the man, but when Richard J. Daly, the original Richard J., dumb mayor, was here, there was a, there was a guy, this, uh, this Jewish attorney. The guy was all messed up. He was, I don't know what, what his problem was. When I say messed up, he was in a wheelchair. It's not the politically correct way of saying it. And his, and his parents must have figured he was never going to go anywhere because he was in a wheelchair. So he never fixed his teeth, so he, the guy literally could eat an apple through a picket fence. I mean, it was... Mm. So he was not a, an attractive person on TV. Yet, the guy was brilliant. And uh, he'd come on TV, and he would always be ragged at daily for doing some stunt that was against, you know, some obscure law or something. He was always kind of up his ass. Uh, and, I, and I really... I, I enjoyed listening to him. But somehow or another, the guy, like, disappears. I never heard from, you know, again... And, uh, but it turns out he wrote a bunch of stuff on the Resolution Trust. Yeah. And uh, when you look at it, you say, oh, man, all these savings and loans went out of business. There's no way they could have been saved. I mean, Volcker did the best he could. He, Volcker's a, you know, he's an icon. The more I read about it, I think Volcker put, the, put them out of business on purpose yeah. because the big banks wanted that business. And yeah. Why would you leave all these guys doing all the mortgage business? Look how much money there is in it. We want it. Why would you well, I think the it? same thing happened in uh, 2000 and. Uh, three when the federal funds rate went to one percent. Yeah, and Alan Greenspan he, he can't be this dumb, but he's in Jacksonville, Wyoming, at a credit union um, uh, meeting. A meeting of credit unions. They're having a big conference there, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, by the way, is where uh, the millionaires had to move out because the billionaires moved in. Oh yeah, right? yeah. He hated to get yeah. kicked out by a billionaire. Yeah, so he's there and he's telling all these uh, credit unions to make adjustable rate mortgages. And when interest rates are really, really low, and they and they've never been this low, is that good advice? No. And then and then three months later, he's raising it from one to five point five in about a year and a half, and it probably caused. I mean, it, you look at the number of institutions, banking institutions, uh, during that time period, and they fell. So, I mean, is this stuff intentional at the time? You know, well, but you know, the, but at, the end, at the end of the day, whatever program that comes out. The Resolution Trust was, for those that don't know, it was a it was a, a mechanism 
to put up money for people to buy these assets for cents on a dollar out of the old savings and loans. And well, it's not what's going on today with like things like Silicon Valley Bank and yeah. the other ones well, that are... But yeah, this was actually, thing but, but no, uh, actually it's quite a bit different because yeah. the, it was, actually was the assets in the bank, in the, in the place. So, like for instance, the, uh, the one out in, in Phoenix, they owned, they, they had, uh, the, the guy put the Phoenician Hotel up. So say it was a, a billion dollars to build, just for round numbers. The guy put up, you know, a couple hundred million, okay, and then they put up the 800. Well, all of a sudden, with the recession and everything that had happened, uh, not only did the place go under, well, the, the savings and loan lost their money they put into the place, and uh, or, or a bunch of them probably did. So now all of a sudden, we're going to auction it off and try and get some of this money back for somebody. Well, what ended up happening is the government, if you really knew the right people, would lend you a certain amount of money. But if you didn't know the right people, say you and I had a million dollars, they would lend us something like up to ten times the million dollars to buy these assets. So they essentially gave a whole group of people money to buy other people's assets at 40 cents on the buck, or 20 cents on wow. the buck. So at the end they probably of the, also got an interest rate much lower than well, what the but, but at the end, the But at the end of the day, yeah. all you did was shift one whole group of people's wealth to another younger group of people's wealth. And you look yeah. what happened in 2007, 2008, all you really did was how many people bought a house at 235, which was the, the uh, number, that was the, median, the mean number at the time, median number, sorry. Uh, and all of a sudden those guys, you know, they put down whatever, say so they put 25 grand down or, or 40 grand down, so they got a mortgage of 180, well the price of the house goes to 165. Well now they can't, yeah. they can't refinance the house. Now they've never missed a payment, right? So yeah. they're, they're paying, but they, you, you can't get a new loan because now the house doesn't, doesn't appraise for what the, the, uh, the mortgage was, even though you've never missed a payment. So here's a guy paying 6.5% on a $180,000 loan, and he can't get a $160,000 loan for, for 3% because he's not good for it, when in fact he's paying, he's paying twice that every month. So they, well, what's even yeah. worse is uh, he probably uh, tapped the home equity yeah, when it was at two fifty. So now somebody and so else he owes yeah. two fifty. So now right? somebody else gets this guy's house at one forty five at a foreclosure sale or something. Yeah. So what, what you, all you've done is shift the property from one person to another, and when you find out the people that are getting them are not just guys like you and me that can walk in and say, "Hey, one forty is the right number. How do I get yeah. that house?" Because that that didn't happen. It was a group of people who obviously had the ins into the place. It's like you and I when all those banks went out in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. We couldn't just say, um, hey, Stocks and Jacks fund, put together, uh, you know, from all the listeners, send in a check. We're, you know, not, we're, not in a check not, we're not donating. We're, we put together a, a company, a trust, whatever it is, the next time one of these banks goes under and the Fed eats the bad loans and then kicks the other stuff out to somebody else, that we could sit there and say, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're $10 million bid for 15 different locations and five drive throughs and in, in four trillion dollars or net trillion and deposits, we'll pay for that. We we can't get in the room. It's some other bank in there going, oh man, I can't believe you're making me take this place. And, re- and then the guy's got his fingers crossed behind his back, right? I mean, nobody went over those deals. And what you do is you, you create. It's all about giving some people stuff to other people, especially when the market, the economy. And I'm, I'm saying this because I want you to critique me. When the economy, when you're getting no growth. Every time somebody makes a fortune, 
somebody else has lost it, right? If there's no if there's no net, it's not like in the '60s when you were growing at forty four percent a year for real, and whether you whether you did better by three or five, most people thought it had to do with your own, uh, you know, either eagerness or education or whatever. Now, if somebody scores a big hunk of dough somewhere, probably somebody else is losing, right? And that's yeah. that's what causes a big problem in society, I think. Well, another big problem uh, with that thought, another big problem is in the PhD programs. You you got professors convincing young mathematical PhD wannabe economists uh, that you know because the United States has developed. Uh, the best we can expect in terms of economic growth is 1%. So you produce all these economists that are thinking, well, that's the best we're going to get anyway, right? So th- then then you, you throw in this, I mean, these numbers just got to be cooked. I mean, did you see the employment report? Yeah, well, that, that, that that was, not only that, well, we had a big show on it uh, Friday. Yeah. With a household. The, the big, it's just crazy. It's nuts that people aren't questioning this thing because I remember when people would talk about the household survey. The, now the, all they can talk about is the payroll, the, 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 and there's a six hundred. There's a six hundred plus thousand gap between those two. Well, you mentioned earlier the uh, uh, the, the stuff about Germany, right? Um, yeah. Uh, the 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 big lie is everywhere. I mean, they none of this stuff. You can't even give a, a discerning a discerning view on TV anymore. The guys that used to do that aren't around anymore. No. I mean, last I month, mean, I, I, I'm the, looking the at the household survey. Household survey yeah, was sir. was down. Three hundred thousand people. Yeah, one hundred sixty-one million. Oh, uh, three one last month, and this month one hundred sixty-seven twenty-one. And uh, Carl said the unadjusted numbers are even worse. So, how did, where did the three three ninety-nine show up? In a, did everybody get a second job or what? Yeah, you got three hundred ten thousand people. Apparently, not uh, fewer people working in the household survey, but then you have three hundred sixty thousand additional people on the payroll if those numbers are accurate what that means is you got a bunch of people that lost their jobs and the people who kept their jobs got a second job right that that's the only conclusion you can make from those numbers if we assume they're correct that's what's going on and to me that is not healthy well plus you have uh and i don't the interplay here when i say i don't look at these uh, unemployment numbers too much is because there's basically 105 million people that are potentially in the labor force that aren't okay. Yeah. Now, now yeah. they're in they're in school. They're retired. They're sitting on a sofa eating bonbon. Who the hell knows what they're doing? But they're, they're someplace. So of that number, almost a hundred million are not counted as unemployed, and like five or six. So so the the, the definition is that the out of this hundred and five million people, five or six million are actively looking for a job. So, but they don't. I don't. Th- I think they got real lazy, Alan. You can critique me on this. They got real lazy, and and uh, so if you and I get laid off, all right, and then we're back to normal unemployment, right? Which is is it thirteen weeks, twenty six weeks? I'm not positive what the normal is because when th- times get bad, they always double it up, right? Or yeah. usually double it up. Let let's say it's twenty six weeks. I don't know. So the minute we're off, we don't get a check anymore. We come off this em- unemployed counted as unemployed because they take the shortcut and say because we're not getting a check we must not be looking for a job anymore which is I'm not so sure that's true at all uh, so this month we actually had 300 and, uh, uh, yeah 350,000 people 
make that make that four hundred fifty thousand people that actually went are de- are declared to be unemployed. So they they must actually be getting checks. So how did how is people not noticing those numbers? That's a lot. That's a lot in a month. Of people actually, on, on, they must be on the unemployment roll somewhere, not just between jobs or not just I quit this one because I got another one I'm starting in two weeks. In order to be counted in here, you actually have to be getting a check, right? Well, in the household survey, the the people conducting the surveys, they call up 60,000 households and they ask, they used to ask questions. First of all, how do you, how do you how, call up households anymore when nobody has a phone? Yeah. But apparently this is how it works. You, you call up 60,000 60, households and you ask them, how many people are working in your household? And they'll say, well, one person's working 15 hours for uh, his mom's uh, in-house beauty shop, and he's not getting paid. That's counted as employed. Another person's working one hour for McDonald's a week because the guy's a goof-off, and McDonald's wants the guy to quit. I'm working 40 hours a week for the company. And then I'm also working... Um, part-time, 20 hours a week for a different company. Well, those those responses would add three people to the employment number. They'd be Three people would be in that employment number for that reason. In the payroll survey, there'd be two because the head of household is working a full-time job and a part-time job. The unpaid... Oh, and then there, sorry, there's three because I said one was working yeah. one hour a week for McDonald's, right? So there'd actually be three in the payroll but only, uh, but four considered employed. Well, but if you call uh, somebody's house and they say, "Is Hal employed?" The answer is yes. Yeah. So if, that, that's what they're. Yeah. Rel- that's what the household survey is based if, on. If, if you, if responses from people. Right, but if you're working somewhere in construction and you're working Wendy's at night, in the in the establishment survey you're two, but in the household yeah. survey you're one. Exactly. You're just plain yeah. working. Yeah. So and, and that if these numbers are are accurate, uh, then. That's what's going on. I mean, that big di- discrepancy in losing three hundred ten thousand in the household survey, but gaining three hundred what thirty thousand or sixty thousand, whatever it was in the employer survey. The only, the only that points to is uh, you got a lot of people working a second job. I mean, that's all I can think of. Well, the only thing you're 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 sort of missing when you say that those numbers are accurate. According to Carl, they they don't they give you all the unadjusted numbers. If you dig like he does, I don't, I don't do yeah. it. Cause I, he always laughs at me because I use this one here that I think every when I say everybody, every 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 uh, borderline stupido like me looks at the A one number employment status of the civilian non institutional population sixteen years yeah. and over blah blah blah. That's what I look at. Well, these are adjusted numbers. All right, so you know uh, Carl digs back the table not A one but A like fifty one. And there you can get the unadjusted numbers. Yeah. Now, but the for the establishment survey, the one you're talking about, or the one that is the headline number, th- there are no unest- un, uh, at least they don't publish them right away. Maybe they do later. There are no unadjusted numbers. Yeah. So they can the f- they can adjust <laughs> the, the numbers. Reserve. Yeah. The number could have been could have been the other way, and they said, well, because yeah. of this phenomenon, there was a four hundred thousand dollar adjust or four hundred thousand person adjustment. You don't know yeah. that. If you look, if you look at the Federal Reserve Economic Database, they have what's called non-seasonally adjusted data and, and, and I pu- tweeted it on my Twitter page or Twitter feed and if you look at it and you extend the pre-COVID pandemic we're way below we're still way below pre-COVID oh, sure. pandemic trend 
Um, and if you look at it, the non-adjusted numbers, the, the cyclical nature of it, it, it's a pattern that repeats. And so I'm thinking there's adjustments in the, and I'm not sure exactly how they make these adjustments, but I think they're applying some kind of adjustment, some kind of for, because they're not asking all employers, right? They're no. not, they're not surveying. 90% of all employers are small businesses. Well, they're also, not asking them. They're asking right. the big corporations, well, there's also, and then they uh, extrapolate. There's also something called a birth-death rate uh, yeah. in terms of uh, businesses. So so if you and I, uh, if we just say the economy all of a sudden breaks out and it's doing really well, you and I say, oh, man, there's, there's, a, there's guys that are uh, building houses that will be an architect. <laughs> I don't know what I, what I would do. I guess I'd, I'd haul stuff and be the general contractor and tell people to work faster or something. Uh but if you and I decided we're going to build 10 houses, okay, and we we have 15 guys working or 20 guys or ladies working for us for the whole year, but they're, but they're subcontractors. This guy has a carpenter firm, this guy has a plumbing firm, and this lady does whatever she does. Uh, and uh, if we do that and we're just paying these people, we're either paying their firm or we're, we're giving them 1099s because they're not our employees. They're just, they're just doing stuff to get that house done. Uh, None of that, the government doesn't really know that until next January, February, March, when a person essentially sends in their their uh, income tax, or we report on the 1099 that, that Matt Weber actually made, you know, 50 grand as a carpenter last year. So the, uh, well, let me, I'll finish the story after break. SP Futures down 5, NASDAQ Futures down 20, 22, and it, but it ends up, I'll finish it after break. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, Hello, Rump X, Dyson Jackson. I'm Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 450, Nasdaq Futures down 21. We're leaking here a little bit. Based on the strength of last week, it's a very little leak. Dow Futures down 36. I'm looking at the Dow's at CVX. Chevron uh, Texaco down a buck 39 as well. It's going back the other way here. And when I'm done with my story, when I'm, uh, Carl talked a little bit about uh, OPEC and how strong they are these days. They, don't, they, look, they look like a paper tiger to me, but that's just one man's opinion. DAX is up one point. Let's call that unchanged. FTSE down seven. I'm going to say that's unchanged. CAC Ron down seven. That's unchanged. So we got a snoozer over in Europe. 
Uh, Renee's got the kneecap 289 again back to, I think those are 23-year highs or something. Hang Seng down 9, very calm for those guys. Shanghai, however, down 37, that's over 1%. So Australia stocks are down uh, as their central bank, kind of surprisingly, uh, hike rate, rates again. So they have shook those guys for a little bit over there. I don't think they're hanging too long. Yesterday, slow day, Dow was down 199. Seems like a lot, but it was up 757 on Friday. S&P was down 8, and NASDAQ was down 11. So kind of quiet, but to the, down, to the downside. Bonds up 1 basis point, 3.71. Went down one basis point, 2.35. Japan unchanged at 0.43. So not much going on in the interest rate world. Oil down a buck 51, 70.64. So kind of right on schedule. Two or three days after some big OPEC announcement, it goes right back down. Uh, Brent down 145, 75.27. Natural gas down six cents, 218. We got gold up seven bucks, 1981. Again, with a weak attempt to get to 2,000. We'll see if it makes it. Silver up a dime, 23.73. Crypto and Bitcoin got clobbered yesterday. It's down another 43 bucks today. 25501 so it was down like 1600 yesterday. So it was a big move because of these guys uh, being sued uh, by the SEC uh, Coinbase. Uh, U.S. dollar, real quick, uh, up a little bit today. The, the euro's down to 106.7, and the pound's under 124 or 123.9. Matty, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have one crash in the area right now. That's on DeSable Lakeshore Drive, southbound side just before Illinois Street and Grand Avenue there. Uh, right downtown, there's a crash blocking the right lane on the drive southbound side. So keep that in mind as that's causing some delays. Uh, normal traffic volumes building steadily on the Edens and Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower. That earlier crash on the outbound side is all clear. So that's good news. Uh, but uh, you're seeing some heavy traffic volumes build. Uh, across the area expressways, but no other accidents to report outside of DuSable Lakeshore Drive, so that's good news. Weather today, sunshine early, then we could have a chance of rain in the early afternoon, a uh, high of 68 today. Right now it's mostly clear and 65 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 99. Right now it's clear and 75. In sports, Cubs were shut out by the Padres last night, 5-0. They split that four-game series down in San Diego. White Sox were off. They're at the Yankees tonight, 6.05 Chicago time first pitch. D-backs were off as well. They're now tied in first place with the Dodgers, and they'll head to Washington to take on the Nationals this evening. Lastly, in hockey, uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Game two was all Vegas. They blew out the Florida Panthers 7-2 and now lead that best-of-seven series two games to zero. Chief. The... Uh so I'll finish this real quick, but one thing's for sure, Hal, is getting these numbers is a real tough job. And if you start messing with them on top of it, I mean, it really confuses people. But I guess what I'm saying on the, on the birth-death stuff is if, say, uh, all of a sudden I get three houses I'm building, and Maddie Weber was not, because Maddie's got a really nice job, is working at some McDonald's. I go, hey, Maddie, I can get you 35 hours an hour as a carpenter. Quit McDonald's, come on over here. Well, not only is he leaving McDonald's, so he's considered unemployed because that's a salary position. But I'm paying him uh, 10.99, so I'm, I'm only I'm paying him every two weeks. But he's not going to know that. Nobody's going to know that till the end of the year. So you, the when the economy is going good, I think the birth of companies is actually higher than they say it is. And when the economy turns down, I think it turns down faster than people think it is. I'm going to say, hell, all of us. Kenny talked last week about some people he knew that were laid off. Uh, Carl's talking about people he, in Florida that got laid off. I'm going to say probably half those people are 1099 people. Would nobody even knows they're laid off, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I mean, these numbers, even if 
our guys, the guys we pay for their salary at the government, even if they really want to do a good job, it's really tough to do, I guess. Yeah. And then if you don't want it, and it's also really easy to lie to people if you want to. I guess yeah. I'll throw it well, if you, if you look at the unadjusted, not seasonally adjusted, total farm payroll uh, data that's on the Fred, you look at the peaks and the valleys within the year, and you put lines on these peaks and valleys, they make straight lines. And so what that tells me is there's only 31% apparently response rate in the surveys, which is really low. Yeah. I guess it's at a historic low. Uh, you combine that with most of the firms not being surveyed by government, 90% of firms uh, are small businesses, so they're not being surveyed. I've never known so anybody who got surveyed. You ever known anybody who was surveyed? I don't. No, but but you look at this data and it it doesn't look like it was birthed in reality. It feels like it's being produced by some linear uh, time trend projection. Right. To me, it doesn't look like it's natural. It's too regular in its pattern. Well, and that might be because there's only thirty percent response. But it's but it's not even. It's not even a monthly number. Don't they they take the survey in the third week, right? Or is it the second yeah. week? So yeah. I mean, I mean, otherwise, I mean, I mean, nobody. I don't think anybody is dumb enough to believe that one month, if you've got hundred thousand people off the rolls, and the next month you're like four hundred on top, that on you know on, on the thirty first, uh, say there's twenty days in the month, that you were you were losing five thousand people a day, and all of a sudden the next day you're picking up twenty. I mean, it, it, I mean, there's no way it shifts that fast, right? I mean, there's obviously some some trade-off. From, that's why they try and give you the revisions of the month before. I mean, that's allegedly to try and smooth that out. But, I mean, nobody believes if you go from minus 100 to plus 4, that all of a sudden between the 31st and the 1st, and, and the 31st, five people got canned, and the next day 30,000 people got hired. I mean, nobody, nobody could be dumb enough to believe that, could they? Yeah. Well, what makes it even worse is there's. I saw this uh, graph that showed um, payrolls, actual payrolls adjusted, seasonally adjusted, versus expectation. And it's like, I don't know, 15, 20 straight weeks of it beating expectations. I'm going to give you a, and, a Richard J. Daly. Who are. Richard J. Daly. Who are these expectators? Yeah. But before that, before that, that difference was up and down. Like a random process is generating it. Right. But all of a sudden, it's on an upper trend and positive. All, all the, I mean, the expectation is what, like, what investors expect, right? Maybe economists expect, right? Yep. But for it to be, I mean, before this uh, happened, it was up and down around zero. Right, just a random process, up and down, uh, around zero. So hovering around zero, and all of a sudden it starts trending upward, and these payroll numbers are beating expectation month after month after month, like 15, 20 months in a row. To me, there's something fishy going on in that data. Well, it's like it's like earnings. Who ex- yeah. who's the expectator? Like right, yeah. what did Richard J. Daly say? Who are all these alligators? Yeah. But we go we go from a process that was hovering around zero, sometimes above, sometimes below, but hovering around zero, and then all of a sudden it's turning upward and it's 
always beat an expectation. Well, why? To me, there's a problem. I don't know if you notice when you look at your at your. It's probably not on the one you're looking at, but if you look at the household survey, the adjustment that took place or whatever it was between December and January, they actually they actually found a million two people in the month, and and and, and nine hundred thousand of them were actually employed. So last year, well, I, think, I think they I think they had to find it because. The Fed, the Philly Fed, came out with a uh, scathing. It was pretty scathing. They they do these quarterly uh, reports, and they were pointing out this discrepancy between the household survey and the payroll survey. And so they, I think they had to find. That. Well, I'm talking I think about they had to find would you, would just in terms of uh, of people. We we started yeah. out with 263 six. Uh, a million people that are age 16 or over, right? So yeah. there's the potential workforce. So from May to December, we went from 263.6 to 264.8. So we picked up, uh, you know, a million two or something, which is, I guess, sort of normal. But then the uh, all of a sudden, between December and January, we picked up a million, a million one other people. Where were they? And then all of a sudden, there's 900,000 people more employed in January, which makes you wonder if in all the other months of the year... They're like within like you know twenty thousand, thirty thousand, maybe a hundred thousand. All of a sudden, you you move nine hundred thousand. It makes you think that every every month before that you traded off of and it talked about for hours after the numbers came out were all BS. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you find about? Well, How'd you I, find I, a million people? I think, what's, I think what's happening is you have such a big discrepancy between household household and payroll gains, right? You have such a, a huge discrepancy, and. Uh, this is, I mean, I remember doing this in numerical analysis in graduate school in mathematics, where you have to spl- uh, kind of like create a spline. Because it, this happens a lot in the, the CPI, where the, the market basket changes, right? They yep. change the, the weights, they change what's in the market basket, and they have to kind of splice together the pre CPI changes to the post CPI changes. They got to kind of splice them together. They have to lie. And so they're using they're using trend they're tr- using these trend techniques, these splicing methods to find a way to uh, I guess fill in the gap of those trends deviating so much over the last year or so. I think they're trying to find a numerical method that splices those two together. And it accounts for that huge discrepancy. So I think it's a trick, a statistical trick, a numerical analysis trick. Well, are you uh, to kind of like splice them together? Are you a proponent of uh, is it Gephardt's law? Is that the guy Mitty came in? Uh, are you a proponent of Gephardt's law? Gephardt's law? Yeah. Are you talking about the former congressman? No, no, no. The guy who was a economist at Oxford. We we had oh, him on the yeah. show. Um, and any index that becomes a target ceases to be any kind of value as an index? Because hmm. people will okay. essentially rig the index to the point where you can't use it anymore. Yeah, I think that's what's going on with this uh, payroll data. I mean, you, you just look at it, and it, it doesn't look like nature produced it. It looks like humans uh, and statistical models are producing the unadjusted numbers. It, well, that's what it looks like to me. Well, I was using... Because the, data doesn't... Data doesn't Evolve that uh, nicely through time. It just doesn't evolve that nicely through time. Well, I've, I've been uh, somebody for whatever reason my whole life. I've been 
monkeying around with the CPI number because that's what I did at Pullman. I was a CPI guy, uh, for, as crazy as that may seem. Uh, Goodhart's Law, not Gephardt's. Gephardt, you're right, Gephardt was the oh. senator. Goodhart's. The, uh, uh, is it, I think the this, this CPI now for 20-some years to, is to the point where it's, it's unusable. I mean, the, the idea that that uh, your uh, you know your your medical profession, the person's basket is seven seven percent uh, medical, and yet it's twenty one percent of the population of the, of the GDP, or twenty percent. That's just a that's just a flat ass lie for twenty some years. Yeah. I mean, and the other part, look at the last three four years. I don't know, I'm picking these out, but everybody last year or the year before. Said that rent over the over the COVID period has been up what thirty percent countrywide, twenty five percent, thirty percent, and yet the CPI has it up like seven. Yeah, and it also has uh, as Morgan was it Morgan Stanley something? And, uh, no, who's the guy that do all, did all the rental stuff? The uh, the mortgage and rental people, many uh, do all the real estate surveys. They claim for the first time that a rent a rent check is like something like thirty five percent of somebody's pay. And yet, yet they've got it as seven and a half percent of your basket. So, okay, I, I guess you can tell people that over a period of time. But I mean, it becomes so ridiculous. Matt, one thing I say too often is that if you and I were to sign a contract ten years ago to build houses ten a year for the next ten years at a certain price, and then we would adjust it by CPI, I'm saying we're out of business. There's no way that the CPI adjustments are enough for us to sell that house at the price that we quoted it 10 years ago. I just went to the, uh, as I'm doing some more work around the house, because don't be anything for COVID for two years, three years. Stuff needs to be done. <laughs> I'm sure you find the same thing happening in your place. Oh, yeah. I paid uh, 60 bucks a can for stain. I, I'm going to guess <laughs> four years ago, if I, I, you know, I go back to my receipts, which you can't read because they fade, I'm going to guess that they were 40 bucks three years ago, four year, 40 year, three or four years ago. And 60 bucks, I never paid 60 bucks for, for a gallon of stain before. I mean, it's the same exact same stuff I bought four years ago. Yeah. Well, the, I'm afraid if our battery goes out, I'm afraid to go to the store and buy a new battery because the last time I did, I got punched in the face. I mean, I remember when batteries, car batteries were like hovering around 90, yeah. good batteries. And then all of a sudden I go buy a, a replacement battery for our van when I was in Salt Lake and it was like 160. And I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I haven't looked. I'm afraid they're probably over 200 by now. Anybody who hasn't gotten uh, at least a ten percent raise a year for the last three years is seriously behind. In, yeah. In my, my well, you know, if, if the CPI is as off as we think it is, and we've been talking about this for a year, that CPI feeds the deflator, yeah. and then the deflator's off, and that means we've probably been in a recession for probably ten years. I I think we've been in that eighty percent of the or population more. has been in a recession since two thousand eight. Yeah. Now, other people have made up so much in the meantime. Yeah. Especially with. No, the, I, I think the, I think the most telling the most telling graph I've ever created or you know saw was that graph that I got from Fred about the top one percent their deposits and their cash. Yeah. And how it just it, it looks like a, a rocket. I've never seen a graph take off like that. And so all this stimulus that Congress and the Fed have done post-pandemic went probably nearly all to that top one percent i mean that that just to this day i have nightmares about that graph i i mean i can understand if you're living in dc 
or you live in New York, you're living in San Francisco, and, and you run a company, you're probably going, man, things have never been better. Because that graphic says that about your accounts, your cash position. But for everybody else, I, I don't think they're feeling. I mean, I mean, if you're single and you're progressive and you're young and you got a, a pretty good job, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah. But if you have kids, uh, if you have kids and you're trying to pay rent and put groceries on the table, man, I, I don't think you're feeling all that great. No, and I, and I think it's it's not just uh, um, the, the people that are the, the short end. I mean, because they're uh, you know they're they're always going to get the short end of the stick a little bit. But I think middle America and even uh, uh, even even the uh, people who are, I think are matter of fact I I got this piece of paper I cleaned up so I can't find it right now. Uh, imagine that I cleaned up uh, the. The, the PPP stuff that came out, where everybody got, all you know, the businesses got all the money, and all the people who got the check, you know, two thousand bucks. What do you got? Eighteen hundred one time and twelve. I forget whatever it was. That only turned. That only was like twenty five or thirty percent of all the money the government spent. Now, it didn't spend all the rest because some of it they they recaptured this last week's d- discussion. So a lot of the rest of it was a, a, a portion not spent. But out of the stuff apportioned, I think all the money that we were talking about was only was a. Uh, Something like twenty five percent of the total. The rest went to somehow or another big companies and other people. I mean, yeah. like, it was big numbers. But the uh, I don't I don't know what how you would uh, even you know, look at look at the airlines. I mean, look at the money they took supposedly to pay people and they never retired and they laid half of them off anyway. They didn't pay them. Yeah. I mean, there's there was huge amounts of of cash that that. Uh, but but I think the the, va- the value and like the market and things. But hey, before. I wanted to ask you though, you're not as much of a market uh everyday watcher obviously as I am, but what is it what does it say to you when uh when a market gets this narrow? Like I said, but I tried to ask you before and I didn't form the question just right. It's not just that, that the uh the seven big stocks are are advancing faster than the other stocks. The other stocks are actually down. I mean, your oil stocks are in the crapo this year. You're you're your 3Ms, the, the the big consumer stocks, those kinds of people. Defense stocks, I can't believe. Seems to me like we're going to be spending even more on defense. Yet they're all down. Your oil stocks are down. Your bank stocks have been clobbered. I mean, it's 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 an entire. I know one of the groups that I do business with uh, last year, uh, they did exceptionally well in just their their straight stock portfolio. It wasn't uh, uh, not the protected part that I have, but we also have a group that does just pick stocks. And they were smart enough to jump into the uh, defense stocks last year, and actually it was a horrendous year in the market. We're up on the year. I don't you know. It was just an amazing performance. And now this year, the last month, some of those stocks are down like twenty percent. So, so it's not just Apple's running up faster than the other stuff, which which I guess would be okay. Well, whatever it is, it's okay. Uh, it's I mean, we're we're talking about stuff, you know, basically in the crapple. I mean, I'm looking at a graph of 3M right now. And if there is a stock that's got a pulse of the world, I mean, on, on uh, January, well, see the end of the year, twelve nineteen twenty two, these guys were hundred and twenty bucks. Now they're ninety eight. Beginning of twenty twenty one, they were two ten. But it's it's uh, we're not even on the same planet as these guys. And I mean, it can't just be all AI. I mean, XLE at the beginning of the year was this is the oil index uh, was you know was pushing eighty eighty seven, and now it's seventy eight. It's not a massive move, but some of the stocks in there, Slumberjay's way down. 
your Verizon's way down. I mean, the dividend portfolio, people like stuff like Verizon and telephone. Eee. If you had those, they're, they're down like 20% in a year. I mean, it's, I've never quite seen to this degree you know, where one group, I've seen it a lot of times where one group did better than another group, I and mean, that's the market. That, that's, just, that's just the way it is, I and mean, that's part of the fun of it. But when one group is so far up and the other one's actually down, I'll tell you what, it makes it tough to be a money manager. Well, I think, I think kind of what's going on is maybe 20 years ago, your recession plays were things like McDonald's, Dollar General, because, uh, you know, people need to eat. Walmart, so you'd buy Walmart, Dollar General, uh, McDonald's if you thought we were going to a recession because people have to eat and people stop eating, you know, Outback Steakhouse and start eating McDonald's or they stop shopping at uh, Macy's and uh, start shopping at Walmart, right? So now uh, the recession play probably are the big tech companies, like you mentioned, right? Because people are going to drop their iPhone. They're going to continue to have their iPhone. They're going to continue to purchase things on their iPhone through the iStore. Same thing with, you know, Google and whatnot. So I, I think what's going on is we're there's a recession play here and people are putting money into things that people are going to continue to buy during recession. And I think a lot of people are feeling it. I think, you know, 80% of the population is probably feeling the effects of a recession. Different degrees, though, right? You know, people with kids uh, at median income are probably filling up more than others, right? So I think what's going on here is these stocks are going to perform well during a recession because people are going to stream, they're going to keep their internet, they're going to keep their phone, they're going to probably buy music, they're probably not going to go to concerts, they're probably not going to travel, they're probably not going to uh, stay hey, in a hotel. We, we got a dash here, but. Before yeah. you say that, I love to I love to point out something to you once in a while when you're yeah. um, in Chicago the last three days. You're not going to say that you're not going to go to a concert because Taylor Swifty knocked the knocked the city out for three straight days. And I have stories. Well, those are that, those are young people yeah. who don't have kids, so I think they're probably feeling okay about the economy. I, I've heard at, stories yeah. of of guys paying two grand a ticket. Matter of fact, one of these days, maybe next Tuesday, when Matty's back, the whole fiasco with these tickets. Where nobody got the tickets they were supposed to get originally, Manny, and then every everything was being scalped. Yeah. Two grand, three grand. Yeah. I mean, somehow, how how many people? We we could have not worked this year, Hal, if we'd have gotten our hold of hundred of those tickets. Some people, <laughs> some, some Manny, who do you think got all the tickets? The brokers, right? I, I, oh yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean somebody did, but I, do you yeah. know of anybody who went for face that bought one ticket went for face value? I don't know, Saul. Yeah. Brokers did horrible when the Washington State Cougars played. Uh, uh, Oklahoma in the 2003 Rose Bowl, man, they did horrible. But I mean, you got a young people, a lot of young people who maybe live at home or don't have very many, or very much in living expenses. You know, Taylor Swift comes to town, they're probably gonna spend the money. I don't think the because uh, they, they want to put it on their Twitter, right? They want to put it on their Instagram. I know. They wanna... sto- I've heard stories of guys paying two grand is for girl, for their daughter's ticket and like four of her friends, two grand a piece. Wow! Yikes! That's uh, wow. some somebody's got some money, Hal. Just I mean, not. not yeah. the, not I don't have that kind of money. I'm, I'm I'm freaking out when my kids go. Let's go to Carvels after school. You you're, you're you're worried about the lettuce. You're you're feeding the cattle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I <laughs> good stuff, buddy. Thank you very much. Talk at you next week. SP futures down three fifty. Nasdaq futures down seventeen. Quiet, slightly below. Uh, back tomorrow, stacks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. 
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.